Welcome and Happy New Year. This is Global Data Pod Research Wrap, JP Morgan's podcast, which goes through our key research and issues that we want to focus in terms of the global economy. And today I'm going to be joined by Rafael Bruna Guerre, Nora Sventiani, and Joe L. Lupton to talk about a research piece we just published, a large but narrow drop in global inflation this quarter, uh, which is trying to get a, a sense of the motion of inflation uh, into the new year. Let me just start by recognizing something I think is pretty straightforward, that we had a surge in the last quarter of 2021 uh, to basically 6% annualized on global inflation. That's about as high as we've had at any point over the last three or four decades. And I think to me, what's notable about the acceleration is the breath we saw as early 21 inflation was heavily driven by energy and, and, and goods that had severe supply constraints. But later in the year, we started to see um, continued rises in goods and energy, but also food and service price inflation. And in addition, we started to see pressures broaden out to countries which weren't uh, the US and the high yielders in EM. We started to see these pressures show up in a lot of places, notably in Western Europe and in, in Asia. So the, the really important question is what happens next? It's oftentimes the case when you see inflation broadening that that tells you it's going to be persistent. Um, but actually our forecast is that inflation is going to take a pretty decent step down uh, as we move uh, through the first quarter. Now, some of this is, is easy stuff, which is really tracking what's going on in the global energy uh, price space. Uh, and maybe, Joe, why don't you kind of go through that and, and give us a sense of what that's going to mean for uh, inflation globally over the next few months? Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it is the easy part. Um, What's interesting is it's the part that probably is the biggest driver of, of consumer prices and therefore is the biggest driver of purchasing power, which therefore is the biggest driver of consumer spending and, and macro activity. So that's why we do put a lot of time in this. The fact that it's easy makes it somewhat of a, of a layup in terms of, of thinking about the outlook, uh, holding all other shocks equal, of course, which is not the case, particularly with Omicron in front of us. So with that, by way of introduction and the importance of commodity prices for inflation, I think it's, it's important to note that you know, uh, the movement both in oil prices, uh, well, really oil prices through the third quarter of last year uh, into, the, into the fourth quarter of this year, um, you know, really added a lot to that, that eye-popping inflation number that you talked about uh, up front that did a lot of damage to purchasing power. And we think that was a part of, an important part of the slowing in growth that we saw uh, since, since mid-year. Yeah, wait a minute. Wasn't it mostly gasoline price, uh, natural gas prices? I mean, it wasn't- No, no, I'm talking, not for the third quarter. We're talking about the fourth quarter. I no, no, I know. But I'm saying like when you had this slowing, right, this disappointment in the second half of last year, I think oil prices were a big a big part of that story. Um, so it, but also I'd point out oil prices were up, uh, you know, close to what, 10, 15 percent. Um, and, you know, the pass through of gas, price, natural gas prices to uh, to consumer prices is not nearly as large as 
the pass through of, of oil prices. So while you had these eye popping moves in natural gas prices, I would say the net effect of both uh, were, were both fairly, fairly significant. Now, what's going to happen uh, into the first quarter uh, is that you're seeing oil prices, which have pretty much flatlined. I mean, I, I don't want to, there's a lot of wiggles here. You know, it was down, it was up. But I think from a kind of quarterly average standpoint, uh, you, you're seeing oil prices that have gone from being a fairly sizable add to consumer prices to something that's going to be a relatively flat. A lot of the, the kind of the interest in the activity right now is in natural gas prices. I'd emphasize there's big regional differences, which I won't go into, but of course, this is primarily a European story. Uh, but if you're just kind of looking at our global aggregate of, of natural gas prices, where we look at prices of, uh, you know, the Henry Hub prices in the US, the, the TTF prices in Europe, and the um, uh, kind of the Japanese Korean natural gas prices for, for Asia, you know, you've got, uh, you know, natural gas prices, which were up on a three month, three month basis, probably on the order of 65% in the fourth quarter, that's not annualized. And tracking right now, and it's obviously early for the first quarter, but given the, the trajectory and the stability that we're seeing, you're actually down a little bit, like 12% in the uh, for the for the first quarter, uh, if you kind of stabilize prices around around where they're at, that's going to take off um, a lot of pressure on the quarterly average, and therefore you know you you have this easy layup call as you as you noted up front that headline inflation, the the boil is gonna gonna come off here, and that will be an important support from a purchasing power standpoint. Yeah, and I think. Sorry, I maybe no, jump, jump in here because I, I think there's an important difference between what was just said and maybe what's going on in terms of the of the euro area because um, the the path through from these energy prices, gas and electricity, takes some time. There's some lags here, and what we've seen in the third quarter, fourth quarter, will also impact the the data in the first quarter. So, so when you have at the uh, global level, a significant decline in terms of the energy pricing pulse from the fourth quarter to the first quarter. We have much less of that. Um, I think as well, I would like to stress that um, going forward into the, the second quarter, um, we do anticipate a significant decline. It, it has to be seen what um, governments will do in terms of the, the measures that they've laid out so far. In some countries, not all countries, but in some countries, we should assume that the um, these inflationary impulse from these energy prices is going to be less because governments have allowed the increase to consumer prices to be more modest. Thus, as a result, we should see a, a more modest decline in energy, energy prices when it comes to gas and electricity. So let me just put some numbers on this so we can kind of uh, frame it. Um, probably something close to half of the increase in prices in the fourth quarter was energy. And most of that, if not all, in our top-down numbers are going to be um, um, moving out of the inflation readings for Q1. So that's a deceleration in inflation of well over two percentage points in Q1. However, in the euro area, we still have a significant add. And I think that's the important point. Um, it's it's different in that it's still, I think, what do you have something like 
CPI energy up 20% for Q1. Is that right, Raphael, in Nero or something in that range? Well, if, if you think in terms of um, quarter on quarter growth rate, annualized rate, we, we're effectively moving from 6% to in the fourth quarter to, to 4% in terms of headline. And underlying that view, we effectively, and that is a point that I was making before, we had energy prices up nearly 50% in the fourth quarter and still up 30% in the first quarter of, of this year. Okay. So there's still an ad there. And that's out of that's in a in an environment where much of the rest of the world is is actually going to go flat to negative. Uh, let's yeah, talk the about US, oil. the US is down a lot, right? US yeah, the US is from is, eight to three. Yeah. So the US is is getting a significant and that that I think is not only an issue, and Joe, you made this point earlier. It's about purchasing power as well. And the euro area has got other problems, of course, the Omicron drag. And this is another factor that's going to be a, a force on, on growth here. Yeah, uh, I think there's our baseline call, which we're talking through. And then there are risks around this. I'd say there's even risks in the energy space, particularly in Europe. I mean, everything that we're talking about now kind of assumes a, a kind of a steadying out or a stabilization in the in the natural gas prices. But of course, be given that inventories are so low, which drove a big part of the concern late last year, inventories are still low now. Uh, it's really heavily dependent on weather, which, you know, if we're <laughs> if we're humble economists and forecasting macro conditions, we probably should be more humble in forecasting the weather. So you get a cold snap here and, and that could really change this this calculus. And effectively, what you've seen in recent weeks has been huge changes, volatility in these prices on the back of this weather thing. At the moment, the weather is mild and prices have declined a lot, but it would only take a few days for things right. to turn to something very so now different. That we've, now that we've undercut the easy part of the story. I, well, I was kind of laughing when you the, said uh, it's let's easy. Let's go to the hard part. <laughs> so, Nora, inflation dynamics in EM have been pretty... Um, important this year, partly because it's had that big an impact on central bank behavior. And let's just kind of step away from energy specifically here and, and sort of ask the question, we've got EM, which has had um, a pretty, um, you know, decent run up in core inflation in a world in which growth has been lagging the, the recoveries in the US and, 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 and the DM more generally. What's going on with core inflation here as we turn into 2022 in EM? Yeah, so core inflation in EM uh, has been accelerating. And, you know, as you laid out up front in the fourth quarter in particular, we saw a strong uh, pickup, not just in headline, but also core inflation in EM a service price inflation in particular that had been lagging uh, the recovery elsewhere started to catch up in, in, in some EM uh, regions, especially Asia, and that added significantly to uh, core inflation in the fourth quarter. The run rates on uh, core goods and core, um, core services inflation equalized in the fourth quarter, uh, where services had been previously running uh, well below uh, goods inflation. Now, what we see going forward is um, a fairly sticky core inflation picture. We have in the quarter in sequential terms, core inflation actually not coming lower, we think it will stay around 5.5% uh, in EMX China. 
And there's fairly strong regional divergences here that I think are worth uh, highlighting. And, and that was a story through 2021 where we had fairly subdued uh, core inflation dynamics, for example, in EM Asia, also, for example, South Africa. And that contrasted with uh, very firm core inflation dynamics in LATAM and EMEA. So while some of those divergences will, uh, I think, lessen, they're still going to be visible. If I look at our forecast into Q1, we have uh, very uh, robust core inflation pressures continuing, for example, in Central Eastern Europe, uh, Russia. You know, core inflation is running at around 8% pace. It's almost four times average inflation targets in those countries. And a lot of that has to do with uh, tight labor markets, the fiscal stimulus we saw earlier in the year. So for example, in CE, we don't think core inflation will come lower before somewhere around the middle of next year. Uh, now, in contrast to that EM Asia and South Africa, as I mentioned, we've, we've seen fairly subdued dynamics. We do think there will be some acceleration taking place in core inflation over the course of this year. Confidence improves, the labor markets recover, uh, but we're still a little bit unsure about the pace of the recovery and the impact on inflation, especially among. So let me uh, just uh, let me just sort of stop you there because I want to get into the you know because if you look at our forecast, we have a fairly significant deceleration in core inflation in the U.S. over the next few months, and I guess the way I would characterize it is effectively that the pressure in goods pricing is coming off, um, that the supply constraints are moderating. Uh, and even though there is some upward pressure coming from services, that's going to be, if, if not short-circuited, at least tempered by a, um, uh, an Omicron drag that's hitting growth. Um, isn't that something we should be seeing more broadly, which is the goods price pressures that have been uh, fairly intense here um, over the last six months, be more broadly weakening across not just the the U.S. and and to some degree the DM, but across EM. Uh, yeah, I, th I think that's fair, and I think that's to some extent in our forecast that we do have, you know, some deceleration in core goods inflation as these supply chain distortions ease. At the same time, though, what we, we also have in our forecast is a further pickup in services inflation, right? Because that recovery is really not complete, both in terms of activity and price levels. We're kind of not really back uh, to pre-pandemic uh, trends yet everywhere. So I think that part of the story, especially in the countries that had been lagging behind and had not fully reopened, I think that still has further to run. And that's really what's going to put upward pressure on core in a number of EM countries. Now, of course, Omicron is a risk to the extent that it could depress demand, delay the services and consumption recovery in, especially in Asia where vaccination rates are low, we could see the zero tolerance policies uh, either continuing or actually, you know, some restrictions being um, reimposed in, in some of those countries. So that could slow to some extent the pickup in services inflation that we uh, we have in the forecast. But another thing to note, I think, in EM that's worth highlighting, and that's sort of keeping uh, core inflation somewhat higher, is uh, inflation expectations. You know, there there are concerns around inflation expectations getting rattled. There has been concern that the you know the structural decline in inflation and inflation expectations that had been in place for many years prior to the pandemic, 
could reverse. We are seeing signs of such de-anchoring in some countries. Which, uh, I mean, I, I mean, we obviously recognize a, a, a couple of the high yielders as having, having problems there, partly because uh, obviously there are more significant policy credibility issues. But are we seeing broad signs that you, you would argue that inflation expectations are becoming uh, unanchored in, in countries outside the high yielders? And if so, where, where, do, you, where do you see the evidence for that? Uh, so, yeah, it, it mainly has been the high yielders, but also some of the low yielders increasingly. Uh, Central Eastern Europe, is, I think, is a really good example where, um, for example, in Czech Republic, Poland, we're seeing the highest levels of 12-month-ahead survey-based inflation expectations since 2005. Uh, so, whereas in high yielders, we're just sort of getting back to 2015-16 levels in C countries, you know, these are the highest rates in in sort of 15 years. So it will be kind of interesting to see to the extent that expectations are adaptive, whether they start you know, moderating at some point this year, but certainly there are signs of de-anchoring and that is causing uh, you know, some concern uh, in, in, the, in those countries about just core inflation stay, staying higher for longer. So let's speak, talk specifically about Omicron now. And um, um, the view I, I was expressing in the piece we wrote, and I'm not sure everybody's uh, feeling the same about it, is that Omicron is going to present a different dynamic than earlier waves. If you go back and look at the two big waves last year, uh, the wave into the start of the year actually helped accelerate inflation, I think to some degree because it, it, it rotated demand towards goods where there were a lot of pressures that built there. And I think in the in the summer months, it, um, it it was accompanied by an acceleration in inflation, partly because it it damaged supply linkages, particularly between Asia and the rest of the world. And you know the the perspective I'm taking is that the goods linkages are uh, improving here, and they're going to likely continue even through Omicron. It's not going to have as a meaningful effect on that, and that the degree to which there is a drag from Omicron, it's going to be more on services demand, which is going to be disinflationary. Um, how powerful are those forces against the backdrop of some of the other things we've talked about here, including continued normalization in pricing? And as you're saying, um, Nora, some questions about whether there's a inflation expectation shift taking place is important. But um, I know that, Joe, you're not necessarily taking the same view as I so do you want to jump in here on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is all kind of obviously up for significant debate, but I, I kind of have in my mind, a, I guess, a, a four by four grid demand and services on one and then supply and demand across the top. And you kind of just go through the math on this. And so uh, from the demand side, I guess I, I feel like Omicron is, is really going to hit services, I think that that's clear. I think how it impacts goods is a bit questionable. I could see people with purchasing power having to stay home and, and buy more stuff. Um, you seem to think that it's going to hit goods demand more. I would be willing to give you that, but I would still emphasize- No, I don't actually. I think goods demand is picking up here and is going to continue to. Okay, I, so now I just don't okay, think it's well, that, good, that, good that helps me even more then. So I think services get hit, demand, and I think goods demand either is flat to even up. Okay, so that's the demand side of the equation. On the supply side of the equation, 
I think both sides get kit and arguably we have not seen the 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 impact of Omicron yet in Asia. I think one of the things that's probably most interesting in the past few weeks is that Asia has been largely immune to the latest wave, but I think it's only a matter of time before that starts to, to show up there. And I think you do get some bottleneck pressures on the supply side. Uh, now, we can debate whether the, you know, the relative sizes of those shocks on the supply side, but I think it's clear that um, supply is going to get hit for both so do you, goods just and to, services. To be, give some space for others, uh, just summing up, do you think the risks on our core inflation forecast, leave energy alone, is to the upside for this quarter? I, you know, Bruce, it, it's hard because there's such a, a – the, the goods – pricing has such a disinflationary wave from the large increases, particularly in the U.S., that it's hard to, you don't want to get in the way from that. But if we're just talking about the Omicron effect here, which was the, the way we started this, I, I think it's going to be, uh, the risks would be relatively flat to upside risk on goods inflation and downside risk on service inflation. Okay. I think um, I'm on board with the the idea that you've mentioned, Bruce, in terms of the, the euro area. This is certainly the case that in terms of core goods prices, uh, we see the pressure diminishing and with the easing of supply constraints. Um, I'm on board with the intuition in terms of services prices that you've just mentioned in with regards to Micron, but um, I'm just wondering to how much of an impact we could have in terms of, of the quantitative aspect. Um, if I think in terms of the seasonals, uh, in terms of the year area, and if I look at um, how these crises impacted the, the numbers uh, during the course of 2020 and 2021, the heat to services was very much concentrated into um, a small number of items, items that were related to um, holidays in particular. We are now at the time of the year where these holiday prices are low. So the question that I have in my mind is how much lower could they get as a result of a shock coming from Omicron? If you were to tell me that the Omicron wave is coming in the summer, I would think the shock would be large. Um, now that we are at the start of the year with low price for airfares, um, hotels, etc., I would think that the, the impact could be, could be small. But the intuition, I think, is correct. How about you, Nora? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the camp that we are going to see, uh, I guess, more of an impact on towards weaker services inflation, uh, more than kind of the impact on, on upward pressure on goods inflation that we saw with, with earlier waves. It does feel a bit different from the previous wave. So I don't think this is going to be a Delta type um, situation. We're not going to see the same kind of rotation um, I think I think uh, towards goods uh, that, that we saw previously from everything I'm seeing um, in Asia, all the signs are pointing towards, you know, some some kind of restrictions on mobility being reimposed again, not as severe by far, not as severe as during the Delta wave, but across Philippines, India, you know, Hong Kong and so on. It, it's increasingly the case that. And Nora, wouldn't you say that it, we, we, when you look at cases, you don't see anything? Like if all you were looking at is Asia, well, you would say Omicron, what's that, right? There's no effect right now. So if we want to make a call that that's going to stay like that, 
then I would be very much on board that there's not going to be disruptions. If you get an Omicron wave sweeping across, and remember, Delta didn't really start rearing its head until the second quarter in Asia, and that's when it did, did more damage to supply chains. Uh, I just don't know if uh, you're going to get kind of an echo of that with Omicron. And so yeah, I mean, look, worried. I think I think the Omicron is now the prevalent strain, you know, pretty much everywhere. And it is there are waves already starting up in, in Asia. Um, and so some of the restrictions I mentioned, they've already been announced today, yesterday. So it's definitely happening in India. We think there's a good chance of that as well. Again, it's not going to be anything like uh, what we saw uh, during the Delta, but you know, last time as well, you know, there's talk of some of the street festivals being being scrapped. So it's not going to be full lockdown, but but certainly there, there will be some restrictions that I think limit the any further recovery in services inflation that we might have had. And I'm not sure these are entirely in our forecast as we have, as we've been discussing on our own calls uh, in Asia in particular. I don't think this downside risk to growth. So let me let me end on a note here and, and Nora, I'd want your response first. Um, you know, I've been asked a few times uh, in the last few days, how does a fall off in headline inflation impact the Fed? And, and my point there is really it's not going to have much, if any, impact on what the Fed's going to do here. It's really about growth and labor markets, um, especially in a world in which that headline inflation fall that we're looking for has a big energy component. Um, but for EM central banks, um, inflation has been very important variable. Um, and to what degree does the um, current market pricing, which still has a lot of EM tightening in here, uh, do we feel like there's a risk that uh, central banks do do less than what's priced in here in, in a world in which we get some downward momentum on inflation, recognizing it's not going to be uniform across the EM, but there are definitely uh, a number of countries which that, that run rates are going to come down. Yeah, I think headline inflation definitely matters for EM central banks, uh, not so much the run rates that we like to focus on, but in OIA terms. And already, you know, we think in many countries, you know, Russia, Brazil, EM, Asia, ex-China, India, there's, there's, there's quite a few countries where we think inflation probably in headline terms and OIA terms already peaked late last year and will be coming down in Q1 after that downside risk to growth from Omicron. So I think this easing inflation with some downside risk to growth, it does take pressure off, I think, the EM central banks to, you know, maybe keep pace with Fed hikes. So in some cases in Latin where we had thought there was risk of an accelerated pace of tightening, like, I don't know, Colombia, for example, uh, that pace may not be accelerated. Uh, in India, South Africa, there's two countries where um, you know, virus concerns have already <clears throat> meant that there are risks to delays to, you know, further rate hikes or having to push back rate hikes from what our previous expectations were. So I think on the margin, uh, it reduces pressure on, on EM central banks to be, a, be very aggressive. Okay. So let me wrap this up now, but I guess what I want to just do here is not lose sight of the more medium term story, which is, uh, that we do have a, a forecast that inflation takes a step down in the first quarter, but we also are believing that there's an underlying trajectory towards higher inflation once we get through what is obviously very volatile pandemic recovery dynamics here. And in that context, I just would want to emphasize, we've talked about Omicron risks on inflation. Uh, in some sense, the, the key medium to all call on inflation is whether we're broadly right 
that through the wave here, the global expansion stays resilient um, and that that highlights as we go through it, the continued issue that um, supply is just not expanding that rapidly, slack's getting eaten up quickly. And that as we kind of move past the, the pandemic uh, recovery dynamics, uh, we're gonna find ourselves in a very different position uh, than we have been in, in any of the, the, the recent business cycle uh, expansions, but most notably the, the post GFC. So on that note, um, thanks everybody. And thanks all listeners. Uh, hopefully we can continue to have a, a good dialogue on these issues on Global Data Pod going forward. And happy new year once again. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded in January 2022.